0: Until <laughs> you said that. Oh, okay. Actually, it's quintessential
1: Kentucky fall. It is a nice day. In fact, as I was driving to the office, it was humorous to me that up ahead, the the clouds were, were gone and the sun was out. And I just had to drive through the storm. What an analogy for life. So
0: today's lesson,
1: there's sunshine like, ahead. I could see it. Be like the bison. You know what the bison do? Do you know, do you know the history of They make of great burgers. Bison, I mean, they're in some of the harshest conditions in the West. And bison traditionally, when there's a storm coming, unlike cattle, which kind of go to one end of the pasture and all huddle up and try not to get devoured by the storm, the bison turn and walk right into the storm. And they're conditioned to know that if they can walk through it, They'll get to the other side okay. faster.
0: Didn't bison almost go extinct? I have no idea.
1: Yeah, we probably killed them all. They didn't go extinct Small because, of the, because of the storms. But I be like bison. Could be. That was me. That was me driving to work today. I was looking out ahead, and I'm like, this rain's not going to get me down. I'm going to be like bison.
0: Did you stop at the office or keep
1: going? Okay, let's move on. Just curious. <laughs> I'm here at the office. <laughs> What are you talking about? There
0: you
1: about? go. See what? Because well, I thought you were going to keep driving was. to the sun. The sun was here. Oh. It wasn't raining here.
0: Got it. Oh
1: boy. All right. She's this episode, the thankfully, sponsored by Jewel Financial. <laughs> Visit us on the web at Jewel. Who keeps showing up every episode during <laughs> us? What is going it's like on? Like Mister Rogers out here? around here? Holy cow! That is our doorbell, which means someone's coming to the front door, not the back door, where they're really supposed to come, and that's why they're ringing the bell. Do we want to check that out, any one of us? Make sure that George is okay down there. All right, let's keep going. Sponsored by Jewel Financial. J-O-U-L-E visits on the web at jewelfinancial.com. We keep those questions coming. We have had great questions. Uh, this one uh, is is another great one. Uh, send them to podcast at diymoney.org. That's podcast at diymoney.org. In fact, check out our site, diymoney.org. Sign up for our newsletter. Check out the cool content. You can see pictures. There's a new candid photo of Allie up on there, and Logan and Daniel. It's a fire sight. I'm loving it. Social media, Instagram, popping off. I don't know where that came from. Is that a thing anymore? Do you say that? Did popping kid, off? Do kids say popping off anymore? Yeah, Allie says that's a Allie thing. Says, I okay. wouldn't know. Social media, we're popping off on Instagram. Uh, and uh, I'm. I don't know. Sometimes I'm more active on Twitter than not, but sometimes I'm not. Whatever. I go back and forth on that. Alright, we got a question from eddie today eddie
2: what do you got D-I-Y. hey Quint, and what's shaking daniel i love the podcast you guys are doing a great job my question is in regards to index funds i know you guys have said positive things about holding index funds on the podcast long term and warren buffett even says these are great for average investors i currently hold two index funds in my individual account that i manage and two index funds in my roth ira that i allow professionals to manage My concern is that the returns in my Roth IRA are being affected by fees and expenses. Should I be contributing to my Roth IRA on my own in my personal account, or is it best to let the professionals make up for the fees and expenses in the long term? What is considered a low expense or sales charge for contributions? I am emotionally equipped for long-term investing, so I am starting to be convinced that free commission and low expense indexes are a better fit for my Roth allowing the financial advisor or the broker to erode the returns with front load or back loaded fees by the way which one of those are better
1: okay eddie great question i pulled this out of the mailbag from like two years ago
0: four score and seven years ago
1: i was going through old uh emails that we hadn't looked at either they were you know written email, you know, questions, not an audio file. And I find this one and and I'm like, wait a second, we've never looked at this. And I click it, it was a great question. I thought it was appropriate because there's a lot of people, especially who are listeners of this show, who have been reaching out to us and dialoguing about utilizing a financial advisor. So this question is really in relation to why would you pay... financial services. Why would you pay for advice? How should you pay for advice? And we'll touch on it, albeit briefly. It's a vast subject. It's up for wild debate all the time. It's an area we're very familiar with because we're in the business. First of all, a couple of things that you mentioned, index funds versus managed mutual funds. You didn't mention that, but let's just talk about it. Index funds are a passive investment strategy. They often hold a basket of stocks that are tied to some sort of I try not to use this in the definition, but some sort of some sort of criteria. Let's call mm-hmm. it
0: that. Criteria of assembling investments. There you go.
1: So the S&P 500, 500 of the largest companies in the United States of America. They have profitability metrics they have to uh, obtain over a period of time. That is an index. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is 30, has been traditionally industrial companies. That's kind of changed over the time. Also some criteria... That is an index. There is a Russell 2000. Russell is a company. Actually, S&P, Standard & Poor's, is a company that track these. They make decisions on who goes in, who goes out. Those are index. Those are passive investments. Fascinatingly enough, they're not as passive as you think because they're often replacing individual stocks that maybe don't meet that criteria any longer. Maybe they've fallen in size or profitability or whatever the case may be. But that's a classic investment passive index style that's one area the other is active where you're paying a manager within a fund to buy and sell securities now over the years over the last i would say 20 years there's been a variety of statistics to come out data-driven statistics that say it is very very difficult to find an investor who consistently outperforms an index now a lot of that has to do with the fees exactly what you mentioned So a lot of times you'll hear us talk about index investing over managed mutual funds. Why? To avoid the fee. Now you mentioned that in both your IRA and your Roth you have index funds, but then you mentioned front load and back-ended fees. I've not seen index funds have front load or back-end fees. That might be a common thing that I'm just overlooking, but I've not normally seen that. Normally, what that is in reference to is that is in regards to a managed mutual fund. So there's a individual investor who's managing that. Let's call it, let's call one out. Let's call it the American Funds Growth and Income Fund, for example. American Funds is a fund family. They're now called Capital Group. They have a fund called the Growth and Income Fund. They have a manager who pay who's paid to manage that mutual fund. So the growth and income fund is often sold by an advisor who makes a commission. This is very important. They get a commission for selling that mutual fund. You can pay that commission a variety of ways. You can pay it all up front. That's called a front loaded fee. You can pay it on the back end. That's called a often a contingent deferred sales charge, or you can, No, basically, that's it. Those are the two ways you can pay it. I don't think there's any other way.
0: And that's going to be a balk, and here comes another run.
1: So those are in reference to what you're talking about. So it would be confusing to me to hear a sales charge and an index fund. might be possible, but in our opinion, we're fans of index funds. Now, let's get back to the fee or what you're paying for advice. I obviously make a living this way, so it would be very hard for me to go, well, don't ever do that. Now, there's people who should do that, and there's people who shouldn't do that. The whole point of us starting DIY money was to educate an audience who may never show up in our office. Basic principles of budgeting, finance, investments, dollar cost averaging, 401ks, retirement, health savings accounts, you name it. However, there are folks out there that have complex situations that paying an advisor a We believe a flat rate should be imposed, uh, you know, an asset under management charge or fee-only advising solution or something along those lines, as opposed to commission. That's another subject for a different day. But is appropriate when there is some sort of problem that needs to be solved? And maybe that problem is retirement planning, distribution strategies, tax strategies, estate planning, you name it, could be a myriad of things. Do I have to pay tax on my yachts? But in that instance, often when you run a calculation and you go, okay, I'm going to be paying this and it will take away from the long-term returns. It, It will. The question is, is it worth it? Is it worth that amount over time to either keep you on the right path or help solve your problem or solve your challenges or how to figure out how to retire, et cetera, if you do that math and you make that decision and you find a capable and competent advisor, then it's money well spent. If, however, you're doing all this stuff on your own and you just have somebody, quote, managing and and you're paying a fee for that, you kind of have to dissect it and go, what am I getting for that management? If you're getting service above and beyond what you're paying, that's one thing. If you're not, I would question that altogether. What's say you, Daniel?
0: Yeah, so effectively your fees should align um, with the service or the value that you're getting in investment management slash financial planning or really anything else that you do. Um,
1: oh, I like that. It's a good like rule of thumb. That, that was good.
0: Right? And then uh, sometimes people will misalign those. Like you might stay at a really nice hotel for a nice occasion and you could get a bed and a shower somewhere else for less, but the value or the experience that you're wanting to get is much higher than that, and so you you know pay a little bit extra. So there's various times in life when that mismatches, but generally speaking, you know, index funds or investment funds or things like that, uh, you as you actually illustrated in the question, you can buy those on your own, um, or you could buy those through an advisor or elsewhere. So you you kind of have to decide if the value that you're getting is worth what you're paying. Now, the other part of the question, the actual structure of how you pay, uh, mathematically, there's different ways that that could work out for you. And so you kind of have to run the numbers and go, does it make more sense for me to pay an annual fee? Does it make more sense for me to pay an upfront fee? For some people, if you're actually buying one fund and holding it for the next 20, 30 years, if you actually ran the math and it was actually an index fund, not a higher fee, managed fund or something like that, it could actually effectively, I suppose, work out mathematically that you paid 5% up front. The advisor never buys or sells the fund again, such that you pay another 5%. If you paid 5% of $10,000, invested that, as an example, held that for 20, 30 years and never paid an annual fee on it, then maybe. Sure. I mean, yes, mathematically paying 5% once, allowing it to grow over time, never paying anymore. But you're probably not going to get serviced over the next 20 years because there's no income for the person servicing you at that point. So run th- all those through the equation. Typically why advisors have um, switched to some level of like a annual percentage fee is because they service you annually, and so therefore you pay them annually, and that's just kind of how it all flushes out.
1: We have a model in our business where we uh, basically charge 1% of what we manage. That's a pretty standard Amount You will see that up considerably other places. I have seen it as high as two, two and a half uh, for management. Uh, you know, I, you got to be getting something amazing for that. But, you know, that's maybe that's that's up to that individual. But nonetheless, uh, what I like to share with people is our our individuals, our clients have to make that decision every quarter. Mm-hmm. So it's billed quarterly. So it's just one percent divided by four. And it's billed directly to accounts, and they have to make that decision if they if they are getting value uh, beyond what you know our fee is, then they'll stay and if not, they'll leave and there's no lockup provision or anything like that. I think that relationship, if you're looking for an advisor and you're doing that, that is a mutually sort of valued relationship the The advisor must provide value for you to stay, you must see value in order to keep paying. And I think in that regard, that is an acceptable financial advisor relationship. I wouldn't practice any other way. And I started, when I started in business, I was a broker, traditional sales broker, calling, dialing for dollars, selling commissionable products, you name it. Now, uh, and this was 20 some years ago. But after a year of that, I said, I cannot in good conscience do that. And I made a decision if I can't make a living doing service and, and providing a service and getting compensated for that service, I'll have to go into a different business. Thankfully, we've grown the business. It's been a wonderful business over the years through all the ups and downs, and we've done quite well. So that's the relationship I would look to enter. I would be very leery of anything else in my personal opinion.
0: Do you agree, Daniel? Yeah. Or understand why you would be going to something else True. as an alternative. Yep. I mean, it, it goes back to what we talked about with investments. Know what you want and why. Know what you're paying and why you're paying it. That's right. Great.
1: All righty All right, Eddie. We'll send you a $25 Amazon gift card for that question. Thanks for sending that in. That was very helpful. All he did was sent us an audio file to podcast at DIYMoney.org. That's podcast at DIYMoney.org. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make, invest the rest, and do so for a very long time. Make it a great day.